recording another podcast session at LinuxCon Europe Cloud Open in Edinburgh at the International Conference Center. I'm joined by my sparring partner, John Mark Walker, and Vijay from the Red Hat Cluster Storage Team. Vijay, I've never met you before. Your reputation precedes you. That's good to know. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. Uh, you're described as a lot of the glue behind 3.4. Yes, I've done uh, some work in uh, making 3.4 uh, available to the community, and uh, uh, there's been a pretty good reception for that. Well, let's just assume a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast don't actually know what Gluster is and what part it plays in the food chain of Red Hat Storage. So let's talk about what Gluster actually is. Right. Gluster uh, FS is a distributed scale-out file system that could be used for uh, general-purpose storage. So what ClusterFS essentially does is it aggregates storage building blocks from various storage servers and provides a unified namespace that could be consumed by applications. Uh, in addition to that, you also have elasticity, which means that you can uh, uh, grow your storage on demand and shrink that without uh, uh, it, this being perceived by the compute or the application tear. Mm. Uh, this, in a nutshell, is uh, what Gluster does. And the acquisition of Gluster by Red Hat, John and I have talked about it on previous podcasts. Olé! Olé. Sorry, wrong country. Apologies. Uh, so, John Mark, apologies. You need to take the tablets. Uh, so, so, so th- we've talked about the acquisition of Gluster before as being you know, a very smart chess move by Red Hat uh, because cloud is such an underpinning foundation. With storage is such an underpinning foundation of cloud. And, and it's given us an immediate play in the marketplace, but a story to tell on top of the, the, the traditional layer model that Red Hat has from its stack. Well, yes, Richard, that is very true. Uh, I, I think, it, as I've said before, open hybrid cloud demands open hybrid storage. You have to have something that can scale out uh, to meet the demands of a scale out you know, cloud platform. Uh, you can't have one without the other. Everyone loves to talk about cloud, but for some reason, uh, storage get sort of shoveled under the rug without uh, nary a mention in some circles. I think people are finally coming around to that and and beginning to understand that, you know, an open source scale out software defined storage play is the way to go for the future. I agree. And uh, if you look at uh, what Red Hat did in the first decade of the century, I mean, it commoditized Linux or the compute infrastructure. Yeah. And I think uh, with Cluster, there's a great opportunity to commoditize storage. Uh, and uh, bring down the capex and opex costs or uh, a variety of market needs. I think what you guys have been doing, and also what the guys at Ceph in this plenty of space in the open source space for for the storage market, but especially Cluster, I think what you've been doing has been causing the same level of pain to the guys at EMC Storage and the traditional SAM market that we back in the day we're, we're going after the Microsoft people in the data center and the guys running Sun in the data center, Solaris in the data center. It's no different. However, you're just providing the ability for people to get under the hood to understand what goes on underneath there as well. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, I think that's uh, just about right. And uh, I think we are still far from uh, uh, the uh, changes that happen in the compute industry. I mean, there's some time before uh, we d- do the catch-up act, mm-hmm. but there are uh, pretty ominous signs of uh, something like that happening. Yeah, and you, you, you mentioned Ceph as sort of uh, addressing the same problem space. You know, we, we actually originated from distinctly different Oh, points. totally different angles. Um, yeah. You know, Ceph came about it from having a distributed object 
uh, scale-up model, and we were, have always been a distributed file system, scale-up file system model. To us, everything at the end of the day is a file. Um, for Ceph, at the end of the day, everything is, a, is an object in their, uh, in their um, namespace. And while there are disadvantages and advantages to both, uh, the advantage with ClusterFS is that it enables us to provide multiple entry points to the same data. And this is truly one of the distinctive features of ClusterFS. There are no data silos in ClusterFS. So whether you're, whether you have, whether you're using the new um, KVM integration that, has, that was released with ClusterFS 3.4, or using the Swift uh, integration or for object storage, or using you know, our basic scale-out file system. Um, whether you're using any of these, uh, they all come back to the same place. Uh, we, you know, we firmly believe in, in the, the, uh, the poly protocol model, where it's up to you to determine how you want to access things. And it, it really uh, creates, it makes life's life much easier for the operator, because it gives them a whole lot more options about how they make their data available because they don't have to do much to make their data available. Sure. It's, it's, it's up to them to determine what it's available for. Uh, and this has other ramifications for things like, you know, going beyond cloud, things like uh, Hadoop. Uh, you know, now, if you, if you have a Hadoop cluster, you can make available to your Hadoop cluster data, your unstructured data that you have sitting on your servers, uh, running, you know, with ClusterFS, stored in ClusterFS, uh, that makes it available via our plugin uh, to Hadoop to crunch uh, data that you couldn't have access to without this, you know, blunt uh, copying of data back and forth, uh, and it goes the other way as well. You know, now you can run your Hadoop operations, your MapReduce operations, and store the results on a ClusterFS uh, cluster or st or storage um, pool, and and now you've you've given access to other application stacks that you don't have to modify to be able to access that data. I see a bigger story than that. I think the fact that we have Red Hat Storage as a certified supported architecture out there, and the fact that we have service providers now who are looking to tentatively stand up public clouds. Having the Red Hat Storage underneath there, it's a really compelling story. But the fact you've got SE Linux as well, the fact you've got the integration now in 3.4 with OpenStack, we haven't even talked about that yet. Oh, no, we have not. Yep. Uh, so there's ongoing work to uh, enable SE Linux on uh, 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 with Cluster and maybe uh, with Red Hat Storage too. Uh, and in uh, 3.4, uh, there have been a slew of features which will be interesting to the uh, space that you were. The whole, the whole QME story, though, in 3.4, very very important. Absolutely. Uh, the whole uh, KMULIPG API integration bypasses the. Uh, fuse uh, the native fuse integration that cluster has and what it means is that uh, you get better scale better performance and there's a compelling uh, block story with cluster with KEMU. okay so for the roadmap ahead for cluster talk to me about what's happening next right so uh, we are uh, moving uh, to shorter release cycles so uh, in the past we've done releases that spanned uh, more than 12 months yeah. and uh, that's uh, not going to be the case going forward so we are looking at shorter release cycles that span somewhere between four to six months so glustrofs 3.5 is going to be available over the next couple of months and we are cool. look, uh, looking at features like uh, distributed geo uh, replication uh, scalable quotas uh, compression uh, and uh, encryption in beta mm -hmm. so this is encryption addressed uh, there is also going to be support for snapshotting files and uh, IBM has been working on improving the block device translator that uh, they developed in uh, 3.4. So including a thin block device layer, right? Yes, including that. So and that's, a, that's a bit of a game changer itself. Yeah. 
So that would uh, uh, see the light of the day in uh, 3.5 and uh, there have been a slew of improvements all across the cluster stack and I'm quite uh, uh, excited about that. Now the cluster.org community day that's coming up on Thursday is it this week? Yes, uh, here in Edinburgh on Thursday and then next week in London on, on the Tuesday, 29th, Tuesday yep. the 29th and then the following day on the 30th in Frankfurt. You're going to be busy traveling. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think you're also going to be in Hong Kong the week after. Yes, the week after I will be in Hong Kong as well. <laughs> Just call me Mr. World Traveler. You, your family never see you, do they? Unfortunately, no. And they're kind of uh, they're kind of happy about that. But well <laughs> <laughs> it negates the move from the, the, the west of the East Coast, doesn't but, it? But speaking of the OpenStack Summit, you know, we've got quite a bit going on with regards to OpenStack integration and we're you've developed a pretty good story pretty good compelling story there and, and it's only going to continue further I agree uh, so uh, if you look at the integration with uh, the recent Havana release mm -hmm. I think it's a fairly integrated and compelling story uh, if you uh, take a look at the support matrix that Cinder had for Grizzly and Havana. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cinder cluster FS integration story just looks complete in Havana. So uh, that's uh, very interesting. And we've also added support for uh, uh, LibGF API in Nova. So uh, the overall integration with uh, between ClusterFS 3.4 and Havana is uh, very interesting. They're very exciting, heady times to be involved in the OpenStack community. Absolutely, and, and one further uh, feature with Havana was that uh, uh, Glance was uh, Glance, which is their image service repository, sure. uh, was modified so that um, for uh, for NFS and Gluster uh, uh, interfaces, you can now point to the Cinder location, so you no longer have to copy images down just to deploy them, which uh, can save you valuable time when yeah, you're yeah. deploying. Yeah, especially image. if you're snapshotting. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and uh, yes, I agree that it's uh, an interesting uh, time to be associated with OpenStack from a storage perspective. So far, uh, most of the storage needs in OpenStack have centered around the block interface, but we're uh, currently seeing traction for uh, file-based storage as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, file, block, and uh, object-based storage in OpenStack, and uh, that makes it a very interesting play for ClusterFS. In fact, there are two... Um uh, incubating projects I want to address uh, directly. One is Manila, which is a file system as a service project for OpenStack. Uh, we're, we've been involved with that, with, with NetApp and a few other companies to develop that uh, for OpenStack. It's a really great uh, project to be a part of and we're very excited to, to show some leadership there. Uh, the other one is Savannah. Savannah is uh, Hadoop on OpenStack. So it's, it's a way to scale out your Hadoop operations. It's a way to basically use OpenStack as the underlying uh, scale architecture for Hadoop. It's in, and we've been working with Mirantis and uh, uh, Intel, I believe, or no, sorry, Hortonworks uh, on that project. And that's uh, coming up for, uh, uh, it's been incubating, and, and I, I forget, when, I don't know when it's going to be part of an official release, but uh, looking at our, the integration story that we have with OpenStack and the continuing development of our integration with Hadoop, uh, we've got you know all the pieces covered on the play. Back up just right. one minute. Okay. Hong Kong. That's OpenStack Developer Summit, isn't it? Why, yes. Yes, it is. I couldn't get authority to travel. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, th th I think one of the great things about OpenStack has been the OpenStack Foundation itself. You know, Red Hat, HP, a lot of companies who've got involved, who've rolled their sleeves up, checked the egos in at the door, and uh, it's enabled us really to drive things forward. I never check my ego at the door, Richard. And, and, and neither do you, ego. frankly. <laughs> <laughs> BJ, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time. My pleasure. John Mark.
Always a pleasure, Richard. I always wish I had a beat machine whenever I do a podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank always, you. Always. Thank you so much. Thank you for that. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bowels.